Amen. Come on, believers, let's give the Lord praise tonight. Regardless of how you feel, he's still worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that I will build my life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Well, hello, everybody. Seems like a month of Sundays since Janet and I have seen y'all. Yes, yes, yes. We're still the pastor of the Pentecostal church. Yes, we still love Jesus. Yes, I, we love you. Love, love God's word. So I'll tell you what happened. So here's what happened. Uh, Daniel, many of you know Daniel Killian. He graduated with Trey. He stayed a lot of nights with Trey. They become best friends. And Trey was Daniel's best man in his wedding. So Daniel and Aubrey asked us to marry them. And I realized it. Have you ever realized something, but you didn't realize something? Right? Does that make sense? Like you, you thought you knew it, but you really didn't know it? Well, that's what happened to me. So they asked me if Jan and I would do their wedding, their ceremony, but they were going to be in Bella Vista, Arkansas. So Bella Vista is only about six miles from the Missouri state line. So it's a ways up there, right? So then I knew it, but I didn't know it. And it dawned on me, oh my goodness. Daniel's asking me to do this rehearsal on a Sunday. So I try to fly private and I talked to a buddy of mine who flies planes and he's like, Wayne, that's $3,500. I said, I can't do that. Can't do that. Tried to fly commercial $350. We can swing that, but it wouldn't get us there till eight. Well, let's leave church as soon as I preach. Well, that's not good enough because it's a solid eight hours. So if I left at 11, I still couldn't get there by six. So nothing I tried worked. So we left and honored our commitment. And Daniel and Aubrey had a great and beautiful ceremony. And thank y'all. Thank y'all for being so gracious and allowing Janet and I to go and fulfill our commitment that we made to this sweet, sweet couple. We did miss you guys. And I did get to watch a few minutes of Brother David's message Sunday. And I'm going to tell you, he did a fantastic job preaching on the grace of God. So, I'm so thankful to have David and Michelle. And David and Michelle, if you're watching, buddy, thank you. You did a great job. I've already told you about three times, but you did a great job Sunday. And I'm just appreciative of knowing that God's man brings a quality word to such great people. So, again, thank all of you. All right, what we're going to do tonight is our lesson is going to take us to Psalm chapter 42 and if i'm not mistaken there should be some handouts in the back of your pew and you can find you a handout and that's where we're going to start tonight there should be plenty of handouts but if you don't have one just raise your hand and sister sissy and make sure you get one all right i got brother i've got my brother on the second row doesn't have a handout Psalm 42. So while you're, while you're preparing your hearts and minds for the word, Sister Morgan, she showed me the other day. She said, Pastor, let me show you what I've done. I said, yeah, show me. So she bought her a three-ring binder, and she hole-punched all of these lessons, and I put them in a three-ring binder because I said, I'll tell you what I'm doing, Morgan. I'm putting them in the back of my Bible, and I know better because they're going to fall out slip out 
And when I look for them, they're going to be gone. So I said, Morgan, that's what I'm going to do. So Morgan, thank you for a great idea. I'm going to put all of my lessons in a three-ring binder. Because guess what? I preach it, and a month from now, I forget a lot of it. Now, come on. We forget 72% of what we hear within 48 hours. That's so sad, isn't it? You ought to think about me. I ought to be slitting my wrist up here after I've worked 10 hours on a message knowing you're going to forget it in 48. I ought to be just like, God, I'm done. But I don't. Because I, rem- I know this, that every meal we eat, we, it may not be a memorable meal, but it sustained us, right? It kept us alive. And so we eat three times a week, and some meals are better than others, but we, we eat three days. No, let me get this right. Three meals a day, for the most part, every day, and it sustains us to the next one. So that's what we do. We just keep coming and keep giving you the Word in hopes that it will add value to you. Are you ready for God's Word? God bless you. You can be seated. We're going to talk to, tonight on our response to discouragement. No matter who you are tonight, I'm going to just tell you that every one of us get discouraged. Can I get a witness? Just because me and Sister Janet have been in ministry for 30 years doesn't give us an exemption. Just because we're in ministry, we don't get, you know, a special angel to come to us because we're in ministry and always encourages us. We are right there with you. We get discouraged. We have been discouraged. And I am sure we will face, if the Lord tarries, more of it. Discouragement. But here's what we have learned through our 30 plus years of being in ministry. There are triggers for discouragement. And if you can understand some triggers, maybe it can help you as a caution light before you maybe get too far into discouragement. This is not in your notes, but if you have a pen and would like to write it, we found out that one thing that causes discouragement in our house is fatigue. When you get tired, when you get tired, that's why rest is very important. And I'm not your psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm your pastor, but I listen to podcasts. I'm trying to constantly get information that, that can add value to your life. And what I hear from these podcasts and different ones is, is that six to eight hours is very necessary of sleep per night for your bodies. Because when your body is fatigued, then things start happening in your body. And you, it's easy uh, to start getting and going down the path of discouragement. How do you know that? Because when I study Elijah, Elijah was fatigued. He was tired. And he started getting depressed and discouraged. And one of the symptoms was he was tired. Can I get a witness? So I'm going to encourage you, remember, you're made up of three parts. That is spirit, soul, and body. And you need to take care of your body because it is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So just make sure that you're getting the rest that you need. Here's another trigger, and that is frustration. Many times we become frustrated when we have a lot of unfinished projects. Unfinished projects. Oh man, I can't ever seem to get it all done. And then when I get it done, this comes and that comes. That can be a point of discouragement. Here's another one. Failure. Failure. 
And then fear, fear of criticism, fear, what if I blow it? Those are just some things that can be trigger points of discouragement. Here's another reason we're more likely to be discouraged when we're self-focused. When we start comparing ourselves among ourselves, and I start looking at, well, man, he's about 55 or he's about 56 and boy, they're doing this and they're doing that. I have to remind myself, it's not wise to compare myself to others. Why? Because it ends in a dead street either way. Because if I'm doing better than them, then I can be lifted up in pride. That's not healthy. If I'm not doing as good as them, then I go down into discouragement and that's not healthy. So you know what? We got to get our eyes off of ourselves and make sure we keep focusing our eyes on Christ. He is the author. In other words, he started your story. He's going to finish your story. And just because you don't look like this one or because you're not called to do this doesn't mean you're any less valuable. Just stay in your lane. When I get to heaven, God's going to ask three things of me. Number one, was I good? Was I faithful? And did I serve? He's going to say, well done, thy good, faithful servant. Not well done, Mr. Good-looking. Not well done, the man with a bunch of hair on your head. Not well done with the high IQ. Not well done because you were so talented. He's going to say, were you good? Were you faithful? And did you serve my people? I'm just here to talk to us tonight. Is we got to get our eyes off of our stinking self and keep our eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we have to remind ourselves, say it's not about me. Say it again. And you know what? Sometimes you got to go through the day and you got to continually say that. It is not about me. Who's it about? It's all about Jesus. It's all about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. And so you have to remind yourself of that. Discouragement also happens when we forget the why. Why? Sometimes Janet and I get weary just in the journey and we have to remind ourselves, please don't take offense to this. Please, I beg you. But we're not doing this for you. We love you and that's part of the reason. But the bigger reason is because God's called us. And the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And it's our purpose and so we have to some, sometimes look beyond the disappointments because brothers and sisters, we all strive not to let people down, but as much as we strive not to, we still do. Come on now. We've let each other down. We've let ourselves down. You say, I've never let myself down. You're lying. You are absolutely lying. You started, you started on a diet and three days later, you say, I can't do that. You started to lose 20 pounds. You went two pounds into it. He said, forget that. Huh. I know better. You've let yourself down. Right? We all have. But my point is, is that if you're doing this for somebody else, people are going to let you down. And that's going to be discouraging if that's why you're doing it. Your motivation better be, I want to please Jesus. And I am doing this as unto the Lord because man is not the one that's going to reward me. Can I get a witness? 
I thank all of you for your giving. I, I am sincere in that. Thank you for every dollar of tithe and offering and missions and all that this incredible church does. But at the end of the day, God is our source. And if you're looking to man to be your source, you're going to be disappointed because God somehow orchestrates for man not to come through when you need him the most. Because if you don't understand that God is all you need, you'll be looking to people. But when you get the revelation, God is all I need. Then whatever people do is a blessing, right? But it's not something that you're looking for, you're blessed by it. So we all get discouraged when we focus on the here and now. If you're just looking around you, if you're just looking at gas prices right now, and if you're looking at the way the culture of the world is going, if you're looking at just a number of things that are out there, for example, how long it's taken to build our church And, you know, we hear world news and what's going on in the world. If we have a steady diet of that, if we're not careful, we can feel ourselves starting to sink. We can start getting discouraged. This is why the scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So we have to remind ourselves to focus on all that God has planned for us. If you're starting to feel yourself sinking because you've been watching a lot of news and you're seeing things not going the way you would like for them to go, get your mind off of the here and now and get your mind on eternity and remind yourself, I'm just a pilgrim. I'm just, I'm just passing through anyway. This world is not my home. Heaven is my home. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to get the reward that he has for me. Come on, somebody. And I'm going to spend eternity with God. And I have to remind myself, it's not even this to this day. This 50, almost 55 year old man has to go back and remind himself sometimes it's not about what I drive or where I live or what we wear. It's about making heaven my home. So you got to get your mind off of the here and now. Does that make sense? Or you get discouraged and just keep reminding yourself this world's not my home. This world's not my home. It doesn't matter what this culture says. I'm not buying into this culture. I'm buying into the culture of heaven. Is that all right? So one of the reasons why we are doing a series on Psalms is the Psalms are inspired by God. Say that with me. Inspired by God to instruct us on how to deal with our emotions. I'm going to say that again because you need to get that. The Psalms are inspired by God so it can teach us on how to deal with our emotions. Because brothers and sisters, if you do not learn how to deal with your emotions, you're going to be a roller coaster Christian. If God does you good, you praise Him. If He doesn't meet your expectation, you don't praise Him. If God does you good, you tip Him. If He does you real good, you tithe. If He don't, you hold it. Oh, it's going to get quiet up in here now. Because what happens is, is we go up and we go down based off of what we think God has done for us. And when we have unmet expectations, God, you should have done this. God, I thought you was going to do that. God, surely you was going to come through here and God doesn't do it. Then it's unmet expectation. How do you know that? Because John the Baptist told his disciples, go to Jesus and ask him if he, if he is the Christ. 
So they run to Jesus and say, are you the Christ or should we look for another? And he says, you tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. What was Jesus saying? John, I know this is not what you thought you signed up for. But I got a plan for you. I brought you on the scene. And I can take you off the scene when my plan is done with you. Did it fulfill John's expectations? No. He was not expecting that. But I'm going to tell you something when you put your life in God's hands then I'm going to let you know you can rest knowing when God gets finished with me that'll be my last day until then I'm going to keep on doing what he wants me to do and I'm not going to get discouraged by what he didn't call me to do is that all right so you got to learn how say learn how You learn how, just like you learned two plus two one day, you learned that. You didn't come into the world knowing it, you learned it. You learn how to deal with your emotions. And this is what I believe, I can't prove it, but I believe it. I don't believe a person is any more spiritually healthy than they are emotionally healthy. I believe emotional health and spiritual health are right up there. Look at verse 3, let's get into our lesson. It says, his enemies say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Verse 3 in your Bible, Psalm 42. This is, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the sons of Korah. His name is M-A-S-K-I-L. It's Maskil. Maskil is his name that most likely wrote this. So Maskil is asking the question. He's saying, This is what his enemies are saying. And he says to me all the day long, where is your God? In other words, his enemies are saying to him all day long, where is your God? And it looks like to this psalmist that God has abandoned him. And this psalmist is feeling like God has left him now. Some people don't feel God's love because they think God is always angry at them. What I am trying to do is to come alongside this church and slowly but surely, I'm just wanting to keep planting seeds to let you know that even though you were raised up and you were taught God's going to get you, God's always angry, God is, you know, mad. I'm here to just tell you God is love. And God is not mad at you one day and loves you the next. Your God is not schizophrenic. Come on, somebody. Your God already knew the sin you were going to commit before you ever committed. And he already forgave it back at Calvary. Now, does that mean we should go sin? Of course not. Paul said, God forbid. No, it doesn't mean that. It just means he already knows your frame. He already knows that you and I are but dust. He already knows that we're going to mess up. What he wants is us to continue to get back up and come back and run back to the Father and say, God, you love me so much that I want to do what's right. Not because I'm afraid if I don't, you're going to get me. Can I get a witness in this house? I want you to remember this. I wish I'd have put it in your notes, but if you make notes, write this. Here it is. I want you to write this down, though it's not up on the screen. Here it is. You ready? Say amen. Amen. The number one purpose of our life. I want you to write this if you're writing. The number one purpose of our life isn't 
This is fixing to blow your wig back to love God. I'm going to say it again. The number one purpose of our life isn't to love God. Brother Neela, then what is it? It's to let God love us. I'm going to say that again. It isn't. It isn't for you to love God. It is to let God love us. For God so loved the world that he gave. You didn't have to give anything. All you had to do is say, God, forgive me. He had to give everything to provide salvation. So who do you think loves more? You or him? He loved you. He told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, when I saw you in your womb, son, I'd already called you and ordained you as a prophet to the nations. See, we're thinking, oh, my job is to love God. No, it's not. Your job is to learn how to let God love on you. See, because, again, it's all about motivation. Fear is, I better do it or God's going to get me. Fear is, if I don't do it, God's not going to love me. Fear is, if I don't measure up to this mark, then God's not going to favor me. Okay, and I get all that. I understand all that. There is a lot of things I still do, right? But I don't do them based out of fear. I do them because I love Him. Totally different motivation. I've already been speaking about that, but I'm just dropping that on you again. Now, look at verse 3. He says this, My tears have been my food day and night. This is Maskell again, M-A-S-K-I-L. This is the psalmist writing this. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Look at verse 5 and 11. Then he describes himself. So he's going to let you know now where he's at. Here's how he describes himself. He says, I am cast down and I am in turmoil. So he is so discouraged to the point the Bible speaks now in verse 7 it talks about that he is crying day and night okay it's all right to cry a little bit nothing wrong with crying I cry Um, but I'm gonna tell you something if you're crying day and night for weeks and weeks and weeks something's not quite right do y'all agree okay so this man was crying day and night, which lets us know he is discouraged. He is depressed. And in verse seven, here's what it says. It feels like I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically saying it feels like I'm drowning. All of these waves are just crashing over me and it feels like that I'm drowning. But here's the good news. This is what's important about Psalm 42, through all of this, the psalmist is still fighting for hope. Look at verse 5. Here's what it says up on the screen. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise Him and my salvation and my God. So in other words, he's not surrendering to the emotions of discouragement. He's fighting back. Say fight back. You got to fight back. Do you understand? Some things are not worth putting your spiritual gloves on. Just walk away. It's not worth it. But there are other things you need to fight back and you need to talk back. Because if the devil can get you to shut up, he'll get you to shut down. 
How do you fight back? You fight back with your words. Here's what can help us. We can fight back the heaviness of discouragement with these very words. We have to remind ourselves and say things like, you know what, devil? I really don't have time to get discouraged or depressed. So I'm going to just tell you right now. My hope is not in the government. My hope is not even in TPC. My hope is not even in my parents. I love TPC. I love my parents. I love, I love America. But that's not where my hope is. My hope is in the Lord. And for this reason, I'm going to praise Him. Because this is going to pass. I've lived long enough to know that a cloud may come. But guess what? It is going to go. So I'm going to just go ahead and start praising him right now. Because I don't really have time to get down in the mully grubs. I don't really have time to get depressed. i got to stay focused because I want to be about my father's business. So guess what, devil? I just don't have time to be downcast. So I'm going to look to Jesus And I just believe the light's going to dawn and shine back on me. Somebody say fight back. You got to fight back. Discouragement. Now, some of you may cross swords with me, and that's fine. I don't ever ask you to believe what I believe, and I'm sincere about that. You have a choice to believe what you want. All I'm going to do is put it out there and let you make your, your mind up. But here's what I see. Happiness is a choice. Discouragement is a choice. It's a choice. No one is forcing us to feel bad. We have a choice. You know, oh my God. You know, I can't believe gas is so high. Ooh, what are we going to do? I remember they used to say, my daddy used to say, well, if syrup goes to a dollar a sop, I, I, I still don't know what that means. I guess it means if you take one little bit of syrup out and eat it, if it goes to a dollar a spoonful, You sop your biscuits. So if it takes a dollar of syrup to sop your biscuits, well, bless God, I'm still going to believe God for a dollar to sop my biscuits. Did I get it? All right. Well, there you go. Now you know. Okay? So you just have to keep saying, guess what? If gas goes to $5, I don't want it to. But if I have to, I guess I'll get a motorcycle. Don't talk to Marshall about motorcycles. But... Let's change that. If I have to, I won't get a motorcycle. I'll get a bicycle if I have to. It's not what I want, right? But I'm going to keep coming to church as long as the doors are open. I'm going to keep worshiping God. I'm going to keep hanging on to my hope. You, you say, you, you say, why, Pastor, will you hang on to Jesus? Because what else is there to hang on to? I'm going to hang on to no sports stars or movie stars. or I mean, come on, Seriously. Come on, can I preach a minute? I mean, the disciples, Jesus looked at the disciples and said, Hey boys, I'm paraphrasing this now. Hey boys, you want to go too? And they looked at him and said, Jesus, where do we go? You got the words of eternal life. In other words, come on, Jesus. I mean, what are we going to do if we don't have you? That's how I feel, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to follow Hollywood. 
I don't want to follow sports stars or movie stars. I want to follow the star. I want to follow Christ, the risen Savior. Yeah, it's not always easy, but I'm going to tell you, I believe with all of my heart that Jesus went to a tomb, but he only stayed there three days. And then the power of the Holy Spirit resurrected him, and he ascended up into heaven, and he is now seated on the throne, interceding on our behalf. That's what I believe with all of my heart. That's my hope. That's my anchor. Can I get a witness? See, God never wants us to become discouraged. He may allow difficult circumstances to come into our life, right? But his goal is always for our good and for his glory. One church leader said it like this. I wish it was up there on your notes, but I got it in too late. One church leader said this. The glory of God is man fully alive. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. The glory of God is man fully alive. And so in other words, God is not sadistic. He is not trying to put a bunch of stuff on you to see how long it's going to take for you to break. God wants you fully alive. And John 10 and 10 says, I have come. Not so they can be depressed. I have come. What? So that they may have and have it more. That's what God wants for you. So why do we face death and sickness and heartache and unmet expectation? Because we're living in a broken world where there's S-I-N. But the day is coming that God is going to restore what he had in the original Eden. God is going to get his original plan. He is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And if all of us can just keep walking, one day we're going to live with Jesus forever. There will be no more tears, no more sadness, no more discouragement. And that is what you have to hang on to when you get discouraged. See? But until we figure out how to find in this life, we got to figure out how to find regular refreshment. What, 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 what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. Look at 2 Corinthians. This is in your notes. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. This is what it says. That is why we are not discouraged. This is Paul speaking. That is why we're not discouraged. Paul, why are you not discouraged? Though outwardly we're wearing out. In other words, I can tell. I, I mean, I'm serious. I know I'm a young man. I still got a lot of life left, right? But I can tell a difference that I'm almost 55 versus when I was 40. I can just tell. Okay? Why? Because your body starts to transition. Things start to change. This is what Paul is talking about. We're getting older. Though we're wearing out with the physical, this is what's wearing out. The spirit never wears out because the spirit's like God. Right? So this is wearing out. But notice what he says. So outwardly, this flesh is wearing out. But inwardly, say inwardly, Inwardly, we are renewed. How? Month by month, year by year, whenever we feel like it? No. There you go. Thank you. Day by day, we're being renewed. So how do you renew yourself, pastor, day by day? Well, here's some recommendations. Number one, invest time in God's word. Listen, it would be better for you to invest three minutes a day than 30 minutes on a Saturday every other week. Day by day. Read three minutes. Pray three minutes. Get still three minutes. You say, I can't. Yes, you can. Cut your TV off. Cut your phone off. Cut everything off. I got screaming kids. Then wait till they go to school. 
Well, I can't because then I go to work. Okay, well then come home. And once you put the kids to bed, then try to find three minutes. Okay? I think everybody in this room, if you want to, you can probably find three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes to read your word. Three minutes to just get quiet and listen to God. God wants to speak to you. Yes, he does. Okay? Here's some other things. So invest time in prayer. Invest time in the word. Invest time in singing. Or you say, I have a horrible voice. It's okay. Just sing when nobody's around. Why? Because God loves it. He loves it. He does. He just absolutely loves it. Okay. Or you say, dear God, my voice is so bad, Pastor. Nobody wants to hear me sing. Well, then get on your phone and play some worship music. Take a walk outside. If you don't have a hobby, get a hobby. I'm just giving you some very practical things. Talk with a friend. Take a Sabbath. Janet and I work very hard on this, taking a Sabbath every week. And it's very, very difficult. We have to be extremely intentional. And many times we don't, we don't get it, but we try. Okay. So doing things like these that I just spoke about is like hooking up spiritual jumper cables to your spirit. You got to learn how to renew yourself day by day. This Psalm 42 is in the Bible, I believe, by God's design to help us learn from this particular psalmist. I I think that God wants us to be like that tree that is planted by the rivers of living water that bring forth fruit in its season. Its leaf shall not wither and whatsoever it doeth, it shall prosper. And guess what? You're going to have down days. That's human. But even in your times of discouragement and oppression, God wants you to understand, hey, you know what? I realize where I'm at, but I know how to come out. Did that make sense? Okay, Here, here's a few ways the psalmist responds to discouragement and turmoil, and we're going to go through these quickly. Number one, he first asked God why. Why, God? And that's something all of us ask. Why, God? Why did she leave me? Why did he walk out? Why, why did this one die? Why did this happen? We all ask that. But here's, here's what I want to help you with. Even if God answered all of your questions, it maybe would still not bring that person back into your life. Okay. And I can't prove this. What I'm fixing to tell you, I can't prove it, but it's just my thoughts. I believe that when I see Jesus, he is going to be so radiant and so beautiful. And I don't know. I can't prove any of this, but I just think when I see him, all of my questions are going to melt and I'm going to have the answers when I see him because he is the answer to every question. He is. And trust me, God never makes a mistake. So if you're walking through it, it doesn't mean God ordained it, but he's going to use it for his glory. And if he hasn't done it like you thought he should, then just say, God, help me to forgive you and to know that you're looking out for my good and that you love me and you're not trying to punish me. You got that? Okay, look at verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? What he means is, is that it looks like, it looks like God has forgotten him and it feels like that God has forgotten him. If God hasn't forgotten him, then why aren't my enemies being driven back and why aren't they being consumed? He knows in his heart of hearts. How many's ever said something when it came out of your mouth? You knew you were blowing wind. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I know better than that. Right? 
Job said some of those things, right? He was just frustrated. He was mad. He was upset. And so he, he said some things that perhaps he shouldn't have said. But we all know that when we get upset, we say some things. So God, like, lets that go for the most part, right? So God's just letting this go because this man knows in his heart of hearts, God has not forsaken him. He just feels like that God has forsaken him because God didn't do it the way he wanted it done. Does that make sense? So why is a legitimate question, right? But what we're really wanting behind that, what we're really, why we're really asking why is what we're really wanting behind that is somebody to comfort us. That's really what we're wanting. We're wanting comfort. And it's not ironic that the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. But guess what? We don't crawl up in Jesus' lap and let Him comfort us because we're looking to TV and sports and entertainment to comfort us so we don't cut all of those distractions off, get by ourselves, and say, guess what? I'm going to play me some praise and worship music and I'm going to just sit right here in silence and I'm going to be in the presence of God. Thank you. Okay? Here's, here's what we've learned. Man, I got to stop. Oh, gone it. I got to stop. Stand to your feet, please. I just got to stop. It's God's presence when we're in our deepest pain is what we need the most is God's presence. Because God's presence is what can help heal our hurts and heal our hearts. Okay, I'm going to stop. Sorry. But I want to say this in closing. I want us to sing the goodness of God, that song, that second song. TPC, I'm going to just keep coming to you like water on a rock. Because I love you. Because eventually, if I keep planting this seed, somebody's going to get it. The reason why your pastor is pushing for the presence of God is because it takes more than three points and a point to heal people. It takes the presence of God. Some of you are checked out on me. I really need you to check back in. Why am I pushing this church to worship? Because worship creates the presence of God. And when people get into the presence of God, I'm going to tell you something. They want to come back because they've never felt anything like that before. I may be wrong and somebody can correct me if I am. I stand to be corrected. But I absolutely believe that preaching is not the ultimate in church. I personally believe the presence of God is the ultimate in every service. And that's what we should be seeking is the presence of God. And I've already talked to a couple of people. It was the Sunday that I preached. And I said, you know what? Somebody should have stepped out. And I had a couple people come to me and said, Pastor, I should have stepped out. I don't know why I didn't. I should have. Listen, it's not, it's not about you trying to be seen of people. It's that you may be the key to that service. And because you were willing to step out, somebody said, well, she stepped out, so I'm going to step out. Well, he stepped out, so I'm going to step out. And then when you step out, see, stepping out is always an act of faith. Now, if, it, if you're trying to get everybody to see you, that's the wrong motivation. But if you're just saying, I really feel, you know, I need to, then step out. Because when you do, somebody else may follow you. 
and then somebody else may follow you. And then life transformation can happen right here in the presence of God. And I have found out this, my sermon will wait. I can keep it. God will re, he'll re-anoint it another time. But when God is moving, I'm going to tell you something, the presence of God is what we all hunger for. Because in His presence, there's fullness of joy. Can I get a witness? I'm sorry I wasn't able to finish, but I just, I, I can't keep on preaching. I've told myself i got to start stopping. Father, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Lord, no one, not even as good as Janet's been to me, and God knows she's been so good to me. Not even as good as she's been, Lord. It doesn't compare to how good you've been to me. Father, we just were talking tonight about discouragement. And Lord, help help us as your people. When we start feeling that, we start feeling it, start sensing it. God, to just say, you know what? I got to get in the presence of God. I got to go to church. I got to get in a prayer meeting. I got to pray some worship music, play some worship music. But I, I just don't want the spirit of heaviness on me. I want to be about my Father's business. If anything resonated in your spirit tonight, if one phrase resonated in your spirit, would you just lift up your hands? I love you. Come on, help me sing. For the mercy never fails me in
Your goodness is running now.